to down your unders. Down your unders. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Art of War. Down Under. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode 49, I think, maybe, possibly, of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name, as always, is Adam Camilleri. I am joined, a uh, bit of a callback, I am joined by two gentlemen who sat with me for literally like six or more hours and reviewed the very first of the ninth edition codexes, Mr. Danny McDevitt and Mr. Michael Timpe. Hello, gentlemen. How's it going? Hey, Adam. Uh, for everybody who managed to listen to the entirety of part one, part two, and then part one and part two of the following week for our full four-episode bonanza on the first ninth edition codex, thank you. You're a champion uh, and much appreciated. And to these two gentlemen who you know came on so early in the piece to me and this podcast and literally, I don't know, humored or indulged me through that many hours of um, of content creation – Amazing work. And we're getting these gentlemen back on because today we are going to be discussing and doing the first of our six-month in-review retrospectives for the 9th edition codexes. So we are doing the retrospective Necron Codex review. We're going to look back at them six months after their release and see how they're holding up, what worked, what didn't, what what did we think we were going to see from that book when we first thought about and conceptualized those lists in the part twos and where they are now. But before we jump into all that, I want these two gentlemen to tell you about the things and the content they produce because they're both incredible content producers. The first and foremost, though, Danny, who I think will be a little bit quicker, and then I'm going to open up the floor for Mr. Uh, Timpe and one of his incredible, incredible productions. Danny, tell us a little bit about your endeavors. Okay, cool. So, uh, again, my name is Danny. Um, I, uh, I I help to run uh, two podcasts, um, the first one being Mob Rules, which is a long-time kind of 40k variety show it's one of the best hybrid podcasts available on the market a uh, member of the rogue trader network alongside uh uh well formerly alongside michael um and then uh we just started a new show with the frontline gaming network called uh, grim after dark which is kind of like a late night talk show uh meets 40k and it's totally not a direct ripoff of space ghost coast to coast so you should watch it <laughs> definitely should how many episodes you guys in uh uh, we're shooting our third episode uh on tuesday uh we shoot every week on uh tuesday evenings uh 10 p.m eastern time um so yeah it's been a good time so far no no strong recommendation for grim after dark it's uh it's really well done and a lot of fun uh go check it out Beautiful. And uh, Michael, tell us a little bit about your things and feel free to take a couple of minutes and tell us all about Outward Realms, which is all your work, all your graft, and it's finally coming to fruition. Yeah, well, thank you, Adam. Um, so, yeah, I am the I am. Well, let me plug Hammerhead first. Hammerhead Games. We have the retail store in Sacramento uh, online store. Uh, we just ran our first major ever this weekend. Um, so that was really cool. That was a successful six round event. The uh, you can go on to BCP and then check it all out. That was really cool, um, really fun way to kind of exit the um, COVID life and come mm-hmm. back strong for some for some serious 40k gaming. Uh, Tony did a fantastic job, and we will be doing more of that, uh, especially Brilliant. now that we have all all the tables and terrain ready to go. So yeah, big big shout out for Hammerhead. Uh, and of course, Outward Realms, outwardrealms.com. Uh, the Kickstarter just wrapped up not too long ago. I think as of uh, this recording won't come out in time for the um, Last Chance store 
to be available, unfortunately. Um, for the people who missed the Kickstarter, we, we had a little store open for five or six days so uh, we could grab a few more people that, um, you know, they didn't catch the Kickstarter in time. Uh, the Kickstarter ended 700%, over 700% funded. Uh, so pretty good. I'm really proud of that. And now we're in the process of getting everyone all their stuff. So we are working wow. hard to to uh, uh, to move the uh, over 3,000 models we sold. So heck yeah. Where, so what's uh, so after you finished up fulfilling all the Kickstarter pledges and all that? What's next for Outward Rails from there? Yeah. So when we get that all wrapped up, we have the two expansions already designed, uh, and we will begin the process of launching those. We will also have a really big announcement. Uh, my guess is the beginning of August. So if you will have it on our site, outwardrealms.com, or if you just hop into our Discord, the link is on outwardrealms.com. You can head there. I keep saying it. It's like a plug, but it's also where it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you go to our Discord, we have about 130 people right now. and we get one or two a day, it's been uh, really great watching that community grow. And um, yeah, we talk about a lot of stuff there. You know, so if you want to head on over, that's the thing. Fantastic, man. Tell us a little, feel free to take a couple of minutes to tell people about the game. What what kind of a style game is it? Um, you know, what's the setting like? Is it skirmish or, you know, larger? Is it hordes? You know, what can people expect? Yeah, uh, so it is a turn, uh, turn-based uh, alternating activation game, plays on a 4x4. It's, we've been calling it platoon size, so above a skirmish, about between 30 and 40 models. Yep. Uh, below like a full 40k like the, you mm-hmm. know like a custodies army some elite armies might be in that model range in a 40k range mm-hmm. uh, plays much faster than 40k uh, 90 minutes uh, roundabouts two hours on the top end uh, and we we actually just come out with our um, first of two balance updates so we wow. as okay. you might imagine um, when we had our TTS module uh, we didn't get a chance the community put it together um and so people have been playing on tts using like cut out models for the for the for that system and then as you might imagine we're getting a ton of playtest information it turns mm. out if you give the internet your rules for free they will tell you everything they think about them well, well that, could, that can be the, good and bad <laughs> right right but if you can if you can get a good signal to noise ratio um you can definitely see some cool trends and because we're in best coast pairings People are able to um, put their uh, submit their scores using the scorecard there, and so we yep. see that data. And using awesome. that data, using that data, and getting the feedback and talking to our play testers on Discord and everything, uh, we did a balance update. We have another one. It's the the last one we intend to do before um, letting two months go by, and then mm-hmm. sending the uh, rule book, you know, to be proofed and printed, right? So yeah. a really big balance update happening July first. So look out for that nice. as well. Mm. It's, it's a it's a testament to your foresight as well that you've created a game with such active balance uh, included and involved. I mean, we I think we're, we're all at the point where we think that GW has and and the the sheer the sheer density of factions and unit choices has bloated to the point where active balance is harder and harder to achieve. But you've particularly skewed this into a sized game and with the amount of units and factions involved that you you can always keep your finger on the pulse, know what's happening and know where the shifts are and I think it's a it's a great testament to your design choices. Well, thank you so much and it's I'm also very very open in being reached uh, both myself and Tony um like I'm literally on the Discord. Uh you can come talk to me. 
If you have any questions, I answer a lot of rules questions. We have an FAQ based on some of those questions. So fantastic. You know, sometimes people have a really great thing, and I want to make sure that it's super clear. Yeah, I think, I think if anyone's still awake after all that, I think it's time <laughs> to talk about the Necrons. Let's talk about Necrons. I'm ready. Uh, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, we, me, for those who don't know, me and this gentleman in uh, very early days of this podcast recorded uh, on the full co- cover to cover review of this codex, the first of the ninth edition codexes we did, and we're going to be starting and running through the main high points of the codex, the things that we think were hits, things we think were misses. We're not going to do cover to cover again by any means. It's more just five or ten minutes each section of the book, talking about our thoughts, what was a hit, what was a miss, what is uh, what is a sleeper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And we're going to start, guys on page 52 which is the dynastic codes i'm just gonna not pull any punches i think most of these are a miss in hindsight but gentlemen what do you think i'll hit it over to michael first yeah uh so the dynastic codes obviously the um they were released alongside uh, original marines marines have the imperium keyword so they're you know much more future-proofed than our book which we don't have allies we're just uh we're you know robots stay in the family but they did like add 50% more models to our line. Mm-hmm. So that was a nice big expansion. We talked about all that in the in the previous iteration. For the actual using of the of the dynasties, I think there are three sets which are still uh pretty good and there's arguments that can be made for adjustments on a couple of more. Uh but you are right. Overall if you compare them to kind of some modern build, um you know like I don't know, like a Lucius, perhaps. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Compare them to something made more recently. Uh, there is a, definitely a discrepancy in power for some mm. of those things. Danny, what do you think, mate? Yeah, <clears throat> I would say that. Like, I, I don't think that because most of these, most of like the specific like dyna- like dynasty dynastic codes are relatively comparable with like two parts of some of the Admech ones, generally speaking, mm-hmm. right? Like we even have both the parts of Lucius available <clears throat> in different places. Not that you can combine the two of them together, for instance. But right, the, yeah. <laughs> the, the issue is that like the dynastic codes themselves are weird. Like especially the named ones. In that, like, yeah, okay, their protocols mm. are better, but man, protocols are just a mess. And like uh, the the specifically the the obsec one i think is pretty is 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 pretty strong like whether you're playing you know nihilac or you're playing another one i think those are fine um mm. and like i'm sure michael will tell you like uh Cesaricon or sawtech are still great right like i think that those ones really have seen some good play tell us the story there because the only ones i've ever seen i've literally the only ones i've ever seen across the, to- the table at me at a tournament is novak or the relentlessly expansionist um you know Eternal Conquerors. That's the only ones I've ever seen at a tournament ever. Michael, are you telling me that's not the way? There, there are other ways to do this? Yeah, I think that the obsec free move is still uh, a very consistent choice. If that's, you know, those are hard things to say no to. Uh, I like Cesarican a great deal. If you're still running Silent King, it lets you repair uh, the Silent King since it is a vehicle and the Techno, mm-hmm. the Technomancer can do the job. That's kind of a cute way to get a few wounds back on it. Um, it's also a good dynasty in the current meta because it, well, in my opinion, because, uh, mortal wounds have gotten a little more prevalent it's true. It's true. Yep. and they have a five up feel no pain versus mortal wounds. Uh, and it feels like most people are packing, like I see Admex packing an inquisitor. Um, mm. and I, you see a little bit more psychic activity than I did, you know, maybe three months ago. And they do have the four up deny. 
So that is, that's a nice little piece. And also just the consistency of being able to uh, do a wound reroll is just universally helpful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways, people look at that, um, the wound reroll as saving you the CP you usually spend to auto wound on a, a thing, which I see is one of the strategies I see people use pretty regularly. Um, you know, you've got a vehicle on one wound, you don't chance it, you just hit on a two plus or a three plus, you know, possibly the reroll, and you just bang auto wound. But the reroll, you know, maybe you save yourself three CP over the course of a game, not using that stratagem just because you've got that reroll. Well, that can convert into other power. Danny, what do you, what do you see on, on tables or what do you feel like playing uh, apart from Novok or Relentlessly Expansionist, et cetera? So, I think there's there's kind of two builds right now that I think are probably pretty viable. Um, I think that there is uh, the, uh, the 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 lot, as I've heard Michael refer to it as, um, which I quite like, um, and that's kind of just really maxing out on quantum shield quantum shielded vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think you can do like silver tide still, but you have to focus on that as like. That's it. I don't think you take some of the boosting pieces like the Silent King as much anymore. I think you just take like lots of units of lots of units of warriors. And I think that that probably that probably has some play too. And just like just trying to literally still outlast your opponent if you can. But man, Admech mm. and Drakari make staying alive very difficult. Yeah, you touched on a, a bunch of different points there. I'm going to put a pin in a few of them, especially a discussion yeah, about the bus stop-esque <laughs> or the horde-esque parts of Necrons, which is something that they're skewing into prolifically and by, by dint of necessity. And we want to talk about the reasons why that we think they're being forced that way. But yeah, uh, Dynastic Codes, I feel like we've we've touched on them pretty well. Um, well the, I will, can, I bring up, can I bring up just two more little things before we run away from it? Sure. Um, so I think that the OBSEC and vehicles fall back and shoot. Is kind of the is kind of a really uh, good consistent one for a vehicle heavy Necron list, which we'll touch on later. I just wanted to uh, mention that they specifically do have that, and it is a useful piece of tech. And secondly, um, the uh, Cesarican. I forgot one important thing, which is another reason why Cesarican can function is you get double protocol turn that can let you have two turns of the fallback and shoot protocol. Which can help make up that shortfall uh, yep. from that second dynasty piece. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that at all. Um, I do. I would like to talk about the build your own dynasties that we've seen because I do only see um, eternally conquerors and relentless expansionists, and I feel like relentlessly expansionist is dropping off in power quite consistently by dint of things like uh, mandrakes coming in, everyone pivoting back into infiltrators, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And and the same the things like um, service raiders who can just wall you off, and if you can only move as far as you were going to move in your first turn anyway. Do you feel like people need to open their minds to more of the build your own varieties? Uh, to me, I think you should just really look at what your list is trying to do and you can, you know, get the max out of it. The things we're mentioning are, are just nice, consistent pulls, but if there's a, if there's something that you're really going for, like have, like play around with it, explore it. Mm. Um, as we've seen doing some codex archeology, span when a meta shifts, uh, I'm specifically looking at you ultra memes, uh, <laughs> can have unexpected results, right? Yeah, I'm excited to see how orcs like changes the meta, right? Like when when and if mm. that book comes out, I think Necrons could potentially match up pretty good. Like they have so much strength five shooting that uh, that could be pretty dangerous for an army that relies on you know just being tough with no saves. 
Yeah, agreed. Um, when you're just relying on toughness, yeah, Necrons do tend to look a bit better. The same things he would call, probably said for Tau as well, when their baseline ranged weapons are of a pretty right. higher than average strength. Yeah, um, jumping over to the stratagems, gentlemen. Now, this strat here, uh, when we fir- I remember when we first read them out, we were pretty stoked. We thought, wow, this is a good suite of strats. Noticeably, there's no... I think it was the first time I pointed out there's no double shoot, double fight, double move, the exception being, of course, um, Flayed Ones getting the double fight. Um, but them yeah. not being here was pretty obvious. Is, it, was, is there still a lot of power in these stratagems? Do you feel like they've dropped off? or And which ones are the go-tos that you think people should look into game in, game out? I'll head it over to, to Danny first. Um, I think, like we mentioned, techno or, uh, oracular targeting is is really good. Um, uh, I tend to use um, the etheric interception quite a bit. Um, uh, I still like oh, uh, I like you know quantum deflection is still very good. Um, yep. Stellar alignment protocol. Um, should, should I be talking about what these do? <laughs> only, only the only the ones that you think people may not have seen. You know. May not well, know everything out. The funny thing is, is like I find myself u- continually using like the uh, uh, the stratagems that Necrons used to have <laughs> as being yes, like really was good, bad, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <with laughs> it's the a thing, of, like, right? Like, like with the exception of like the uh, the auto wound strat, the techno oracular uh, targeting, and then also the etheric interception is new, but it was kind of baked into some units' data sheets, but it's so much different now because it's way more versatile because it's like an intercept strat on uh on a unit that may already still be on the table but also it can be in deep strike and then intercept it's 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 mm-hmm. kind of like a really interesting stratagem that has a lot of versatility um <clears throat> but then like of course like auto exploding vehicles is really good um and then mm-hmm. uh like the male- malevolent arcing turns out to be like it didn't seem like it's great but like it often i find works out super well where i can put a couple mortal wounds on things that just really need to die or i can shoot something next to a vehicle or something like that that has one wound left and potentially nuking on a four plus for one command point is pretty useful without putting yeah. a whole unit firepower mm. into it so stuff Agreed. like that <laughs> michael what do you think I agree with all those things that Danny said. In addition, I like, I don't think I heard him mention this, the uh, vehicles exploding automatically. I'm, I'm a really big fan of that. Uh, I use that a lot. Mm -hmm. So that's a great one. Um, Operating on top profile, which I believe he mentioned you, Adam, you mentioned the auto wound also still, still beneficial. Hmm. And uh, some of the some of the specific ones for the actual factions, such as the Sautech plus one to hit, plus one to hit has yeah. not gotten any worse. Still, yeah. still a nice little thing to have. Four up Psychic Deny for Cesarican. Um, and I think that's the core to the extra attack. If anyone was doing Novok, I think would have a lot of merit with a big mm. enough unit. But I digress. That's, you know, kind of ancillary. Yeah, Solar totally agree. Too, right? It was funny what Danny said. Before, I was about to say uh, the only only one I'd like to add that is Solar Pulse. Just being a one yeah. CP take away cover, or essentially giving your unit another rend for one CP. Pretty sweet. Um, but you're right. There are a lot of the ones here that were in the past book that translated here and are still good. And it's funny as we say that because I feel like that's going to be a story that continues as a theme here, especially when we get to the relics. But uh, there are a lot of you're right. There are a lot of ones. The self self destruction is cute. Um, 
the judgment of the triarch is nice, but it's it, the, I wish it was for Lich Guard as well. There are things here that are just a little too locked down to one unit. I wish it was a unit type uh, or elite slot rather than just being this one single thing. Like I, I wish it was fast attack instead of just being Tomb Blades for factual targeting. For example, if it, you know, they'd have to probably rename it. But these things that are locked to a single unit don't get any play rather than having some play. The one that I see that I find um, very thematic and I've been seen a lot of play recently is all the Catan powers. You know, cast an extra power, generate another power, swap out a power, etc., etc. And of course, uh, Entropic Strike, which I think was quite cute. I noticed none of you guys touched on it because I think when we get to some of the more nitty-gritty parts of maybe the part two, we'll start talking about how Catan are maybe uh, not the thing to be investing in. <laughs> um, but we will see. Gentlemen, anything else to add on the strats before we move on? Yeah, there are two strats which uh, I am exploring. Uh, strat number one is the uh, one for the Ophidian destroyers. I think if Barring you're going to run, yeah. of, I think if you're going to be running Ophidian destroyers, they there is a real argument to be made that this, by the way, still needs to be tested. So give me a little time. Mm. I am curious, uh, but. The I think the Ophidians as uh, MSU little units for doing the modern version of Scramblers. Mm. If you start them on the board, um, hit up your hit up your quarters, and then deep strike them on turn two, and then bring them back again. I think they're very interesting for that job. Uh, they are infantry. I was about to say, are they beasts or infantry? They're no, infantry. They are I just infantry. Had, just infantry, had to check. Yeah. Ooh, you might be onto something. I've been saying yeah. for a little while that Ophidians might be where it's at. We'll, just, we'll, we'll stuff it. We'll touch on them now. I think they're sweet. The reason I think they're sweet is because people say, oh, they're not very defensible and they just die. Well, guess what? Five wraiths just die in the current game. So just take the stuff that gets you the efficiency. And they, yep. three of them does an action, can hold a quarter, can be obsec, it is quick, it can deep strike, and they still absolutely slap if they make it into combat. Like, you think about three Blade Guard veterans, which is around about, give or take, around the same cost. They make Blade Guard veterans look weak offensively. Defensively, you know, not so much, but they blend. What do you guys <laughs> think? Is there is there people, is this a unit people really need to look at? I, I, I do think that they're very interesting. They have the perfect uh, AP values and set of a number of mm -hmm. attacks. To make uh, really, like, I don't know, just to throw a random unit out there, a 20-man block of Skitari that have all the buffs on them. Minus three yep. is the magic number, and that's all they pack. So <laughs> Definitely just a random one. He didn't pluck that one out of a, a no, metal list or anything like, like that. Random, like yeah. Nine of them on average. No, <laughs> I I don't. I don't know those numbers. That math is entirely all, you know, random. Do yes. not have an Excel spreadsheet. Definitely not. Uh, <laughs> Danny, what do you think? Uh, I about Ophidians. I think Ophidians are are really are really solid. Um, like for a hundred points, well, it would be something I want to try out too. Like I I I built and painted mine, and I have not put them on the table yet. Like so, to be to be totally fair, but I like where this is. I like where this is going. Sweet, and hopefully this is the other yeah. the other strat so that we can escape the strat section is um something I actually have used to good effect. And that's nice. I really really like the um, Scorpec Lord right now, uh, which oh, is a strange okay. sentence to say, yes. uh, because <laughs> for 130 points, especially if you're running, this is there's a little bonus if you run Nihilek, which is the obsec named mm. faction anyway. So there might be some merit to that. Uh, I have definitely taken that to events and and done okay. Nihilek does have a really nice relic for it, but if you just want to keep it bare bones, cheap. 
It's a 130-point platform for uh, for a guy that you throw Enduring Will on and has a minus one to wound for one CP. That and oh, T6. Okay. That thing does yep. not go away mm, with minus yep. one damage and minus one to wound. It does not die the way you think it's going to die. So you th- look, think of it as a, a frustration piece, like you can throw it in and be a problem solver, or to be a killer because he, he he kills pretty well. I wish he had, I wish he had another attack. Like I really wish he had another attack. But it's yeah, I agree. The, the attacks is great. Um, if you're running Nihilek, you can also give it the Infinity Mantle, which is plus one save. So it becomes a two up, four up, six up, feel no pain, minus one to wound, minus one damage, T six six one. Yeah, like yeah. it's just. Like that is just a ball of I you think you're going to do something here. And mm. like I'm just gonna say there there are I think in the meta, if I'm not mistaken, there are these little blobs of strength three infantry that blend really hard. If only there was a <laughs> thing I could throw in their way to make their life difficult. Yeah. Because hmm, they've been wounding on sixes with one damage, no matter what weapons they've got. Yeah, yeah they're yeah, not feeling that good. I don't know. I, I might be just you know trying to think yeah. of theoreticals here, but I, I think there's an army that's doing a lot of that right now. You, like literally, like Michael's in his backyard right now, putting up smoke signals. You know, um, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Got to move on from the strats. Um, Cryptic Arcana. So. I even questioned whether we should discuss this because it's such a miss. I don't even know where to go to. I don't know any of these because you know why? I've never seen any of these used. Please tell me I'm wrong, gentlemen. I was looking for my 1930 slide whistle and I couldn't find it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, these I, should I've be free almost. Like, but not, not that many. Like the... Uh, the counter temporal nanomines on the chronomancer, if you have the points, is decent. But and the add of indicator, I've, I see that if you're going to take a cyclomancer. Um, but yeah. and the cyclomancer was like super briefly, like pretty good. Like I wanted to take him uh, just because uh, the dark angels were getting pretty prevalent, um, and he allows you to take away obsec from a unit. Yeah, and of course, on top of that, the the cyclomancer was the 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 mortal wound generating. Uh, chronomancer yep. yeah so people were stacking that with the with the um the katans in order to deal with all the terminators totally um but yeah so the other one the the counter temporal nanomines that's the one picking it within 18 and half advanced and charge rolls made for that unit um that sounds fan freaking fantastic why don't i see it uh when do you get that thing within <clears throat> within 12 inches or something <laughs> yeah yeah well, you're no, exactly that, right. what is that what is that line today is a perfectly good day to throw your life away on top of that it's 30 points it's 30 points on top of a chronomancer who already think i already think a chronomancer actually i think every hq is overcosted in this book and um we'll get to some reasons why but that takes a 180 point model to a to a 110 point model so you mean that you mean that t4 four wound four up armor save guy yeah i mean that dude that dude who literally like one space marine sergeant just Uppercuts that, him. Bur- that burly, swole cast right there that you want to put in 12 inches. I mean, sister squad slap it to death. Oh, Absolutely right. Oh, man. But uh, are like, there any other things that are actually good? He went up in points in chapter approved Sorry? effectively, too. So don't forget that. Oh, sweet the Chronomancer went up in points yeah. in chapter approved, too. So don't forget that. Hmm. Yeah, yikes. Um, but tell us a story. Yeah. Is there any of these that are sleepers, any of these that are secretly good or that we may see one day if or when XYZ gets better? 
What's what's very interesting is like you don't need to do any of it. And in fact, I barely take any of the cryptex right now. So you can save a lot of points by skipping these two pages. Sweet. So I should get my super glue out, stick them together, move on with my life. Yep. I did. I agree. <laughs> wow, that is a fearsome indictment, but I didn't expect us to go any any further than that. These should all if they were all five between five and fifteen point upgrades, you could make some arguments for many of them. But the fact that any of them any of them cost cost uh, fifteen yeah, points. Were, or yeah, because what you were saying about the HQs being so expensive, if they gave me five points back for taking them, <laughs> I would still want to take them. <laughs> uh, you're a savage. All right, uh, on to Wall of Traits. Uh, Danny, which ones of these do you take? Which ones are worth the time? And are, are, they, hit or, are they a hit or a miss as a group? I mean, so basically I'm taking, uh, what is that, Enduring Will, the minus one damage. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, sometimes I have taken Thrall of the Silent King on a model with a good aura, um, but I don't have, I haven't been taking as many like Technomancers with Canoptic Control Nodes and things like that. So I don't have quite as many models with good auras. Um, so less of that yeah. lately. Um, honestly, no, I really haven't been taking a lot of these. They're, they're, Really not good warlord traits. Sadly, I really wish that I could Michael? say something different. Even the dynastic ones. Uh, the Sawtek one is good, uh, and the Cesarkin one is pretty good. Um, so the Sawtek one being, uh, while the war is on the battlefield, each time you spend, yeah, it's a, re- it's a CP refund. And then the Cesarkin one is um, when assigning protocols, you can select four command protocols instead of five, and then one of those command protocols can be assigned for two. Yeah, look, the Cesarkin one. If you want to try and big brain like a play. You know, pre-game, sure. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he's he's entirely on the money. Uh, Enduring will for something that you want to have hang out or be alive. It's a great uh, generic one. Uh, I'd like to get a little bit cute uh, with honorable combatant. I think that's a yeah. little bit overlooked. Uh, maybe a little it? less so, like with with Admech, but like throwing honorable combatant to get the extra two attacks. Uh, say you have a sixty point witch and you want that Scorpec Lord to slap. Well, you just got mm-hmm. two more attacks. That's fair. That's fair, man. Yeah, I actually don't mind that. Now you pointed out. Um, but so I'm just gonna. So I watched a, I watched a battle report on the the Art of War channel, which was Siegler versus Harpster, was Necrons versus Sisters, which anybody can go watch. It's, it's up for free. Um, and Richard Siegler took the plus one leadership aura warlord trait, and no others. Really? <laughs> so he didn't even use that. He did. Yeah, because I think he had 60 or 80 Necron Warriors. He's just like, well, I can't take anything that's actually going to benefit these guys apart from giving them an extra leadership. So I guess that's the best thing I can do on this on this single Lord wow. that's just there to carry a res orb that's going to benefit others. And I was like, yikes. Um, fair. I mean, if you're not building a CCB um, and you're not going Nylak to make, a, make an absolute a, a butcher or a killer or somebody who wants to be resilient... What can right. you actually take that's going to benefit others? Yeah, it's, it's it's actually quite interesting. And that's the problem with these, right? Like, that's exactly the problem yeah. with these. Like, you see so many, and the good warlord traits out of almost every single book are ones that give an aura or a benefit to the rest of your army. And virtually none of these do that. I mean, you have Implacable Conqueror, um, which lets you reroll charges for units within six, which is fine. Um, yep. But it's fine, other yeah. than that, pretty much none of these work with the rest of your army, which is really, really disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Although I will say, um, 
it, it does unfortunately bring in the relic a little early because I think we'll probably talk about the relics. Um, but there is the junior, the it, so there's a, a to me, there is a school of thought that says if you're willing to abandon protocols and just go for whatever's best. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I did do a um, uh, different different dynasties in multiple detachments. And I had a little tiny Novak one that I did take first place at an event with it. And my little nice. Novak, my little Novak person uh, was a locust Lord, the old destroyer Lord mm-hmm. with the blood scythe for the two extra attacks and honorable yeah. combatant for the two extra attacks. Ooh, and it just went okay. character hunting. Yeah. Yeah. You just take like assassinate some games. And just be like, this guy's going to get me nine points. Well, it had, eight, it had eight attacks. Like yeah. it, it will hit. Yeah, and the first time he dies, ah, he's coming back. Hopefully, <laughs> but yeah, well, there's um, there's that, and it's like a two up, four up chassis, like T six. Um, uh, decent movement as well. Uh, rerolls ones to mm. hit. Um, yep. Yeah, not rerolls bad. Well, yeah, it's pretty pretty good actually. It's as good a segue as we're going to get. Let's talk about the relics. We're not going to talk about the Veil of Darkness, which, to my absolute sadness, is still the best relic that they've had for like five years. But we're not going to talk about it because everyone knows what it is, and it's in every army. Are there any other relics worth talking about? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to disagree with the Veil of Darkness. I haven't taken a Veil of Darkness in like three months. You just, uh, you just, this is just your role. You in don't life, have isn't any army, <laughs> yeah, Michael. <laughs> I, think, I think the best. I think the best relic in the codex right now is the gauntlet, the conflagrator. Ooh, tell me the story. Why is that? <laughs> um, because you can throw it on just about anything. And there have mm-hmm. consistently been uh, meta opportunities to utilize that little, that little thing effectively. Currently uh, it is like, again, 20, 20 man Skatari block. Um, yep. a, a hex, having a hex mark destroyer uh, pop that into them as a prelude to some other shooting can both trigger a Sautek plus one to hit for other things to shoot at it. As well as uh, you roll the 20 dice and any sixes are mortal wounds, mortal wounds bypass mm. all their nonsense. So you yeah. kill, you know, three or four of them. And then you've triggered the plus one strat. He shoots his other guns hitting on twos, rerolling ones to hit. Um, he might pick up one more. His AP is garbage, but he might pick up one more. Uh, and so you might, you know, kill three between three and five. You've already done half the work because my whole goal is not to kill all of them. My goal is to kill 10 of them so mm-hmm. I can reduce their nonsense by 50%. Uh, and so that for that amount of value, uh, that's that's where it's at for me, especially given, yeah. uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, if you veil next to near within Overwatch range of them or within Auspex range of them, I think they get to do that to you. And that just sounds really not good right now. You're actually making a very good case. I did. You, I yeah. did see people chucking in the single hex mark to have to tote to tote around the the gauntlet, and to you know just slap down a a, a backline infantry squad um, if all else fails. And so yeah, you're making a good case for that lad. And he's he's one of the more reasonably costed characters. He's still probably ten points over, but that's pretty reasonable in the in the scheme of things for Necrods. Unlike the other the warlord traits, I do think of there being more than just one. I, I do think that the veil is close to the auto take, but I do see the orb of eternity quite often. I do see the Voltaic Stark here and there, and and yeah, you're right. The the um the gauntlet of the Cabulator shows up. Danny's back with us. What are your thoughts there on the uh, gauntlet, mate? I agree with all that. If you're taking infantry, I think veil is a gimme. Um, I but Michael's right. Mm. Gauntlet is gauntlet is great, especially on uh on the hex mark. Um, I've seen people put enduring will on him and make him the warlord. 
and yeah, just send nice. them off in the middle of the enemy deployment zone, like to to mess around with like units that are going in for scramblers and stuff like that. Um, Voltaic staff is awesome because it's because it's a Tesla weapon, so you can use it yep. to trigger uh, the malevolent arcing, uh, which is pretty dope. And uh, of course, the orb mm-hmm. is great. Orb has always been great. Yeah. So I feel like the orb and the veil go together. So, um, and with the Voltaic staff sometimes, but the um, the Gauntlet and the Veil, the Gauntlet and the staff actually go together quite well, don't they? Because they both kind of pinch it um, in a couple of different ways. Yep. Yep. I agree with all that. I am, and I also like the Voltaic staff, even though it has never impressed me in the history of its existence. Um, <laughs> I, I do continue to take that stupid thing over and over again, hoping for the one time it's worth its, its free relic slot. I had it pick nice. up a five-man squad of intercessors once, and that was pretty epic. Yeah, yeah that's pretty about one, the th- so it's it's definitely the sex panther of relics for sure. I wanted to point out. So when I f- when I first cracked this, I thought, oh yeah, this is a reasonable amount of relics. I'm now starting to think this isn't actually a lot of relics for a, a codex that's now got as many unit choices in it. And HQ choices in it as Necrons do. Do you guys feel like this is a bit bare bones? I mean, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six. There's only eight generic relics, and then the rest are um, dynasty locked. Yeah, we're a little shy on relics. And again, I like that. If I like that Nihilek uh, relic for the the Infinity Mantle, that plus one save mm-hmm. is cute, and the six up feel no pain. Mm. Yeah, I I like the, what you uh, I like the sovereign coronal too as well. I think that one's pretty cool. Or it can be uh, for Zazarkin that lets you have a nine inch aura of both protocols all the time. Um, so if you're going to kind of try and make that work, I think that's pretty good too. Mm. Yeah. So just, for a, so just for a comparison to people out there, I've just cracked open my Dark Angels supplement, so not even a full codex, and they have <laughs> seven relics of the rocks. That's seven, one shy of the Necrons, and then they have all the special issue war gear. Some of those. Uh, just relics anyway, like the Heavenfall Blades is just actually a relic. I don't care what you if you want to call it a special issue or not. And so <laughs> so they have fifteen, essentially yeah. fifteen relics. And then don't forget the Space Marine relics too. Exactly. And they get the Space Marine relics too. I just feel like Necrons need like the whole this whole two page spread should just be generic relics and then they should have on the other side of that some, you know, um dynasty locked ones and yeah maybe i'm maybe i'm overreaching here maybe it was like oh but adam marines are marines and you shouldn't you know compare apples and oranges i just would have liked it if they got a few more um why why can't fruit be compared <laughs> that's true that's true because they're not the same species i don't know i can uh, you can you can compare lemons and oranges or tangerines yeah getting spicy um, moving on to the powers of the Catan. uh danny what do you think here is this a hit or a miss well, I would I would have said if you would have asked me this question uh like three months ago, I would have been like, Oh yeah, yeah I, I think I think Satan are great. You should totally take Satan. Um mm-hmm. they really are good against like some of these armies that are super durable. They're good against Marines. Uh yeah, you should definitely consider taking them. And then uh these two last codexes came out and I'm just like, Oh man, there's a lot of ways for you to do damage outside of one phase. So let's uh or they're just so incredibly killy, or just don't care. Um anyway, mm-hmm. uh some of the <laughs> some of these powers are great. Um I really like uh transdimensional thunderbolts. Um I think that one's really, really solid. And of course, mm, uh Sky Falling Stars is also very good. Michael, what do you think? Yeah, that and antimatter meteor in a pinch. Um, I think in a vehicle heavy yeah. situation, um, the uh, void dragons 
power still has some some spice. And if you are still on board with the nerfed Nightbringer, um, that power, you know, is just better Infernal Gaze. So mm. I've I've had that power deal eight mortal wounds to me just from that power. And I was like, freaking yikes. I mean, he never did it again. <laughs> next next turn, he did like two. But uh, <laughs> one time he did eight. <laughs> yeah, it really changed the, the complexion of the game. I think these are generally a hit, if I'm going to say. I think these are a tick. These are like, you know, oh. when I read these powers, these are good powers. Like, you know, that you would be happy to have these powers. You actually, you'd be stoked to have these powers on your psychic, you know, your psychic tree. You, I mean, you yeah. wouldn't be stoked if you had to pay 300 and 300 odd points to have the option to take these. Like if you could only have demon princes with full spec expenses, and that's the only way you take these psychic powers, you'd like them less, which is the reality. The reality is you don't get access to any of these without paying a, a, a hellacious amount of points. Uh, I think well, that's in a demon prince also rerolls its own to hits and has more attacks and has more access. For now. To yeah, 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 for now. I mean, that, I that stuff would have changed prince, it. A demon prince also is not a is not a dynastic agent in its own army, so it doesn't, you know, ours don't even get our own traits. <laughs> so yes, we are allowed to compare fruit here, because that's exactly what that was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I genuinely th- like the powers are good, yeah. It's the fact that the, the Catan aren't, the Catan aren't, yeah. I think They're 270 points. That's a lot yeah. of points. It's, that's, that's and you can only have one per detachment. Mm, I don't know why, I don't know why the one per detachment restriction exists. That one doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, generally, I think the powers are good. I think the powers are, are, are quite good. They're, they're good strength. Um, you know, when you have the ability, I wish they were a little bit more consistent. Like when I'm paying 270 points, I want to be doing like a minimum of five mortal wounds, five, six mortal wounds a turn, you know, at least. And I've seen Catan do zero a turn for like multiple turns, which I think it shouldn't even be a thing that could possibly happen when you're paying that many points. Like, I mean, pick, pick up any 270-point model in the game yeah, and chances are they'll have decent shooting and decent combat. Well, always... and there's also the situation where there's a very weird lateral um, nerf on that, which is it doesn't matter what the other models are. This is a one of the two models in the game that you do not want in combat under any circumstances because they can put wounds on it in another phase. Mm, exactly. So it's a combat. Yeah. You're paying for a combat-based profile, but you don't have character protection even though you sub you sub 10 wounds like i mean i found the the best way i found of dealing with katan was exactly what you said force them to charge me deal three wounds in their turn kill them in my turn because then i you know i shoot them dead fight them dead um and then no matter what wounds they're on they're dead uh danny what do you think like is there is it what, what's redeeming about katan are they still a strong mode of play for necron players um i just think that they really really suffer into the current like I, I think that Admech has too many ways to deal w- multiple wounds over different phases, like with bombers. Like the bombers are so mm-hmm. good against Satan, and they're going to be mm. prevalent because they get to roll six dice against a monster. So yeah, that means that they're doing, on average, three mortal wounds to them, even out of line of sight. So even if you're hiding the Satan, because the nice thing about a lot of these powers is that they don't necessarily require visibility, or at least a, a goodly amount of them do, which is nice. Between the bomber and shooting and shooting, now your now your satan is down to three wounds. If you charge him, he could easily do wounds in a Overwatch, or B, mm-hmm. like he's just going to he's just going to fight you in combat and get three lucky wounds through because it's not that hard to roll like you know four sixes or something like that out of a bunch of attacks. So I just 
it's just a bummer. Like, I just don't think they match up well against mm. like, and they don't do well against Drukari because Drukari like just can like, they, they don't punish Drukari enough. Like, yeah, it's, it'll punch down a Raider or whatever, but that doesn't matter that mm. much. And if the dark outdoor player lets a Raider get within, you know, 15 inches of a, of a Katan, then it deserves to get punched out of the sky anyway. And like poison yeah, is really good against them, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think they're going to have a tough time against that army too. Yeah, I think Katana just dropping off in power wholesale. If we were in a more MSU heavy meta where they could just sky falling stars every turn for like, you know, four turns, then charge in. Yeah, sweet. That's actually pretty sick. But the fact is, on a four plus, you got three units of 20, you know, Lucius Skitari models. And then chances are in five turns, you do somewhere between three and nine mortal wounds that unit with a Katan, with those, th- to those three units. Like yeah. my redemptive one, one of my redemptive dreads does more than that in one turn. You know, it's just not good enough. Yep. Um, you're you're really putting up those Icarus rocket pod numbers with those powers. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, uh, it should it should have bla- it should have like a blast clause attached to them, um, maybe. But anyway, um, jumping over. That's enough of bagging on the Catan. Um, we're gonna bag on their secondaries now. <laughs> <laughs> so out of the uh, pan into the fire. Uh, I see a lot of people ch- taking, you know, building whole lists in order to take code of combat. And sometimes it works and sometimes it does superbly well. And sometimes really? it does literally nothing. Yeah. Sometimes it does. Okay. Sometimes I see people get oh. consistently getting um, nines and twelves yeah. out of it. Um, if, if they build for it, I'd never, um, or even I've seen that the, the Mephrit CCB lad um, does it pretty well. Okay. Uh, but what do you guys think? Tell us about them. Go ahead, Danny. You can go first. I think Purge the Vermin is really good. I think Purge the Vermin is still the best secondary they have. It's passive. It's really easy. It's the same as Herd the Prey that Dark Eldar get, but like mm-hmm. Necrons are good at pushing people out of quarters too. So as long as you can keep your half of the board clear, at the end of your turn, no less, then you're getting four points a turn on that objective. Yeah. it's, it's uh, Purge the Vermin is the... The, if you build into it, it's just going to be like you're never going to get less than eight points, pretty much. If if you've got enough models to oh, literally yeah, just take sure. up the available space. Um, but Michael, what do you take? And, and if you're not building into secondaries, like you need to start. Sorry. <laughs> good. Yeah. The uh, new secondaries are really good. Um, I will sometime. I've never taken Code of Conduct. I think it's a, a really bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would 100% take um, Reverse Recon. Uh, our, our version of that, uh, Dark Eldar have it too. And the uh, Purge the Vermin, basically keeping the, forcing them to keep a unit in every quarter. Otherwise, we score points. Mm-hmm. Um, that, against many armies, that is just good to me because it makes them have to commit to a thing. And you could start scoring it on turn two when you can often keep them out of the first two quarters. So that's, you know, four points right there. And you just start maintaining momentum. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Um, I think that's the obvious choice. And yeah, fair enough. Um, anything else to add there, or should we just move on? Yeah, we're moving. Nope, on. that all works. All right. That all sounds good. Uh, so we're going to talk about protocols now. Um, and I really don't want to talk about protocols because I don't have many good things to say about them. In fact, I don't think I have any any good things to say about them. As soon as you stack them up next to any other mono faction bonus in the game right now, it's just not there. There's there's pretty much no power and only cumbersome restrictions and having to having to literally be a savant to make most of this stuff relevant. Um, that is a 
pretty damning indictment. I'm hoping you guys tell me I'm incorrect. But uh, yeah, Michael, what do you think? Well, I said earlier that there is a school of thought that you just abandon protocols and take best thing. Um, if you're going to live with protocols and you're going to try to make those restrictions and everything work, um, I think Cesar can get some good mileage for the double the double protocol turn. There are basically three protocols that matter, which are the um, cover, the fallback and shoot, and the... Um, uh, what am I thinking of? Fall, cover. These are the two I care about. <laughs> cover, fall back, and shoot. And there's one other one that's okay. Um, oh, the reanimation one. If you have lots of living metal reanimation, a double turn of that could could be somewhat relevant. You are correct, though. They are quite cumbersome, uh, rather punishing to use correctly uh, for some inex- for bonuses that are to a point where you're like, I could just abandon these. I have literally abandoned protocols for a single relic. So take that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Danny, it's really disappointing to see the hoops that you have to jump through to get protocols. Like I'm, I'm I'm not trying to be negative or anything like that, but like, it's just disappointing to see the design decision that they decided to make with protocols comparatively to like doctrines or, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or doctrinas, um, canicles, uh, uh, the, rights of uh the rights that sisters get the sacred rights like it's just like why why do necrons have to jump through so many hoops to get these but Mm -hmm. other factions don't really have to so i guess that that's been kind of disappointing i hope that gets revisited uh, at some point yes i'm there is there is a combination with the protocol that is kind of nice and i wanted to bring it up because i haven't seen anyone else but myself or dave use it um, which is Nihilek and Light Cover combined. So if Ooh, you yeah. if you take Light Cover and all your stuff is chilling, it'll be in your deployment zone. So regardless if you're going first or second, it's just a nice little gamble you can play. Um, you can be uh, ignore the first minus one AP and have Light Cover on all your stuff, including vehicles, turn one. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing. Getting, getting light cover on your vehicles is a huge, huge deal. Um, because, yeah, there's literally no other way of doing it. And if you, you could, so in that list, you could splash Cesarecon to get a second turn of it, couldn't you? You could, but you're going to want to move and do things. I don't think that is a good use of time. I would do the fall back and shoot for turns two and three because those seem relevant to uh, for controlling the board. But yeah, totally, that yeah. turn one of that. Uh, making it so that they have to use AP two to start knocking down your two up mm. your two up save is pretty helpful. Yeah, or you could time it for like turn two or turn three if you're playing Marines, so they're in tactical and not in Dev. Yep. Dev was going to make tip, tip them over the edge or, or, or whatnot. Um, but just to, to ask a question of you guys, I remember reviewing the Sisters Codex. I played Sisters. You know, I've been looking at Sisters lists. Sisters are taking two different you know orders and they're not losing their mono faction bonus. Why? the shit uh, I saw. why the hell do necrons like why why do necrons lose they should just have a necron bonus i mean people say it's reanimation but everyone gets like three or four levels of bonuses for different things i feel like they should just have protocols they're cumbersome enough as they are yeah you won't hear me argue against that for sure yeah fair fair sorry i'm talking we're going a bit echo chamberisk at this point um but yeah on top of on top of that apart of them losing them if they're not mono xyz dynasty you also a restricted to the aura ranges around your nobles like directly affecting nobles like either of those restrictions could go and just up the power on them um exponentially uh but yeah fair enough um i just i just look at doctrinas and um 
the the canicles that Admec got and be like, they should they need to come down a little bit in efficiency and the protocols need to come up a little bit in efficiency because like protocols are such a pale shadow compared to that. Yeah, just being able to do them ad hoc like is a big deal for Admec too. Yeah. Um. So Agreed. yeah. Anyway, it could be a lot better. Right. We hope that they get better. Mm, fair. Now, I did make a bit of a call uh, when we did the. I think I'd made a bit of a call when we did the the last codex review that I thought we were going to still see plenty of Sortec around. Um, I thought their dynasty was, you know, not obviously where the power was compared to things like Nihilak um, and or um, the punchy ones, Novok. But I thought because they had all the good characters, all the characters still locked to them, we would still see them. Things like guys like um, Imotech, uh, Vargard, you know. Um, Zandrek, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Uh, but hasn't been the case. Hasn't been the way things have gone. Um, what do you think of some of those characters? Because we're, we're up to the unit choices, and I'll hit it over to Michael first. Are there any of the special characters that are really worth looking at? Silent King, if you're building around Silent King, uh, I am <laughs> experimenting with Sautek, and I don't take any of the named characters. Uh, old man, Old Man Vect is pretty cute. Um, however. He is such a dumpster fire of a character outside of that single ability <laughs> that uh, it is prohibitive to use it. He can't even, uh, he's not even fast enough to keep up with my army to help me maintain protocols. So, mm. why does he exist? Wow. Uh, so, you're talking about Nemesis Zandrek. And we, I remember a bit of a callback. We tried to coin the term Zected. Like you've been, you've been, or, or directed instead of like vected, because we thought we he, we thought he's powerful enough that you would see it, um, and that's because he has a thing called counter tactics once per game. When your opponent declares they'll use a stratagem during a battle round, but before any command points are spent, this model can engage this counter tactic. If it does, your opponent cannot use that stratagem at that battle round, and so you just get directed. I will say that term did not catch on for whatever reason, but you know, not, not everything we touch can turn to gold, gentlemen. It's just it's just the way the way the way the world works. And neither did my old man vector. Which I think is better. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poo. Uh, Danny, what do you think? Any any special characters worth the time? Um, I've taken the Silent King a bunch. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, other mm-hmm. than that, uh, no, not really, because they're all pretty much Sawtech or agents. Um, I've taken uh, yeah. oh Caesaris uh, a bit. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, okay, um, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's. Uh, the juice is not worth the squeeze there. Yeah, fair. Because, um, like we said, these guys are all pretty damn expensive. Just yeah. a quick rundown, like Enrikia, 140 points, and you pretty much just—he doesn't do anything else for your army except for giving you the "My Will Be Done" and the plus one strength, which you can get. You know, sorry, the plus he, one attack. He gives, of he course, an aura plus one attack, which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. If you're building but, into that, you know, there might be some reasons. Yeah. If you're doing uh, but like yeah, like Cesaris. Yeah. There you go. Oh, it's like if you're if you're doing Novak, like a Novak warrior horde, I would consider taking him, I guess. Um mm. just so you can spam three attack warriors, which is not which is not bad. Like that's a lot of attacks out of a twenty man unit. Fair. I mean, I suppose we're seeing two different kind of builds coalesce here. Just in the conversations we're having, I suppose me and Danny are talking more about a horde or MSU based and uh Michael's on board with the uh the skew into the um the vehicles, etc. But what um I mean, a lot of hype was came out. There was a lot of hype around the Skullpeck Lord and things like the Royal Warden, and I've barely seen them. Like, barely have they made a splash. But so what, what HQs are worth the time? Uh, right now, I am taking a Lord, which is the cheapest thing you can uh, have on the board that will get you protocols. 
Uh, aside go. from that, I think the command barge pre admech being able to bomb it off the board turn one rather easily uh, it was a thing. Uh, as well, I just talked about the Scorpec Lord, a uh, fan of that. And mm-hmm. the uh, I again also like that Locust Lord. If you're going to be, if you're mining for good things out of every dynasty, uh, that little Locust Lord with eight attacks against characters slaps. So yes, mm. that's cute. That's nice too. Yeah, Danny. Um, typically speaking, uh, like I think that you can probably take Chronomancers if you're going to take uh, a lot of models because uh, you're going to want the five ups, like yeah. one or maybe two if you're really if you feel like you really need to spend points on that. Um, other than that, uh, I would usually take a CCB or an Overlord with a Res Orb just to make sure I got the orb on the table to bring guys back. Yeah, that's because if you're taking that horde, you're just going to double and triple down into anything that gives you efficiency. Of course, the res orbs, you know, are pretty phenomenal. I think yeah. the only way to do or, or mimic that is by taking an expensive um, baguette. What is it called? Uh, 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 transport. Oh, oh, the ghost arc? The ghost arc, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, the baguette. <laughs> that's, that's some fifth edition goodness for you. Because uh, it was all croissants and baguettes back then. Um, yeah. uh, moving on to the troops. There are only two of them. Everyone was enamored with the warriors for a very long time, and most people still are. Um, did the, and the only real change that happened here with Chapter Approved were the Immortals now of Tesla for the same cost as Gorse, which I don't think is a thing. Um, I think they're equally good anyway. It doesn't really matter. And I still prefer Gorse for my mind. But what do you guys think? And is the Gorse Flare, Gorse Reaper actually still a question, or is it just Reapers all the way? I, I like the Gorse Flare. Um, wow, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Timpey. Continuing his reign of contraire. Yeah, means, man. I'll, I'll use it. I'll use it either way, especially if you're um, going with Mefret, because you yep. do get the uh, additional AP, so you don't miss as bad at half range when you're rapid firing anyway. So you're getting the most mileage. That extra point of strength. I, I think the question becomes um, much more for the Reaper as soon as uh, T5 Orc boys come out. That's a great point. That's a very good point. Um, I, and I do think you're absolutely right. The T3 meta is is kind of on the cusp now. Drakari and Admec both functioning, functioning off many, many, many more T3 bodies than we saw for literally all of 8th edition, 9th edition up until that point, because everything was either Marine or Necron, so toughness 4 or better. So yeah, you're right. Maybe maybe the Gorse uh, Flare is where it at, is at for the next couple of months. Um, Danny, your thoughts? Um, well, uh, I do run Immortals. Uh, quite often now that the points have dropped, I'll probably I've been running two units of ten immortals. I'll probably use I'll probably go back to one unit of one unit of ten with Gauze and one unit of ten with Tesla, just to kind of spread the love a little bit. But as far as warriors that's go, fair. I'm on the Reaper train for sure. Um, mm. That's, um, that's I think as soon as, as soon as Orc, as soon as Orc boys drop, those Teslas are going to shoot up in value. Um, oh yeah, absolutely sure. crazy value. Uh, as it is right now, I think it's Gauze all the way in this current meta. Um, I actually, I am a huge fan of Immortals. I think 10-man Immortal units are actually secretly very good. Um, yeah, I know Danny feels that way about the Immortals. And in addition, uh, this is a team list little thing. I mm-hmm. had proposed a team list for a five-man team event, a skew list that ran 80 Immortals. I love that idea. I actually have a list in my battle scribe with 50 in, so I'm glad I'm not insane yeah. and someone else has seen it. Um, tell us a story there, though, Michael. What what do you see in Immortals? What do you like about them? 
their T5, uh, one wound, which you actually want for reanimation, three up yes. armor save, uh, re- you know, decent gun, but the team list would have run them as Nefric so that they could have auto-advanced six inches through terrain mm. and other models, which takes care of their mobility problem. Yep. Yeah, I love it. Um, and as soon as you put Tesla on them with that with Nefrek as well, their mobility becomes exponential. Their reach of the Tesla carbines becomes phenomenal. And then you've got my will be done to plug the hole in the, the minus one to hit, yeah? Yeah, you get to do a bunch of really cute stuff. Mm. Nice. All right, we're going to jump around and we're going to talk about some units here, there, and everywhere in the rest of the book. Um, I will stay with Michael for this one, though, because I remember one of the lists that you talked about was... Uh, had a couple of units of death marks in it. And that was kind of where we left off about, you know, literally like six months ago. Did that eventuate? Did that coalesce into anything? Uh, I think all of my previous data, it, you can throw it out the window. I've played a bunch of 40K since then. Um, I've been to, when COVID opened up, um, I've been to events. I've been to five RTTs now since then. Mm-hmm. So, and gotten in some practice games. So my data set's much, much uh, better than it was. And all my current uh, thinking is based off, uh, you know, a more modern meta iteration. Fair. Uh, So then just to encapsulate a couple of different units at once, there is the traditional block bully unit. And there are a couple of different versions of that in this book. We have Lich Guard, um, Triarch Praetorians, um, Canoptic Wraiths, Ophidian Destroyers, and Scorpec Destroyers. What of, of those five units, where's the power? Which ones are the best ones? And are there any I didn't mention? Danny? Of the different destroyer units? Oh, no, of, of all the different kind of melee-esque bully oh. units. Uh, where's the power? God. What's good? What's bad? Where do you put your points? Uh, I mean, I would say Wraiths probably were winning um, just because the toughness, the extra toughness was good. But now everything just dies anyway. So, God, that sounds so depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's just wise to kind of get the most bang for your buck out of what you have. So I would take, to me, I think Scorpex are a good middle ground um, Mm -hmm. because you can make them a little bit more durable. But, like, I would never take more than three of any of those units. And preferably, oh, so you, yeah. I'd probably take just more points of, of wo- like, to try and get more wounds on the table, e- be they either mm-hmm. vehicles with high toughness and quantum shielding, or more one-wound reanimation protocol uh, units. But yeah. if I had to take them, I would take Scorpex. Nice. Michael, what do you think? I really like the Scorpex uh, Destroyer's for the minus one uh, wound strat. Unfortunately, mm. they have too many wounds for reanimation to matter. Uh, but they yeah. are infantry, so they can punch through things. That's kind of cute. They lack an invuln, which is not as adorable. Um, for putting pressure on people, actually, uh, my my current bully unit is Ghost Arts. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> they are fast. They take up a huge amount of area. They are uh, a reasonable amount of anti-infantry shooting. You never feel bad about charging them into something. And they have eaten, they eat Overwatch. They just do a lot of really good jobs of like, hey, I'm going to park you know, two inches forward off of the point, and you have to get around my 14-inch chassis and stay mm. an inch away from me unless you charge me. Yeah, fair. I actually don't disagree with a lot of that. If you want to just take up board space, if you want to just be imposing, be annoying, be frustrating, you, you might be right. Yeah, might be spot on with the baguette. The baguette. I, think, I, think you've, I think you've just defined my entire play strategy in Modern Night. 
So <laughs> to be annoying. Nice. We'll put that put that on the back of a t-shirt. Um, uh, Lichgard. A lot of ho hum was made about Lichgard getting exponentially better in people's minds. Some people saying, you know, sword and board is the only way to go. And generally, I agree. I think sword and board, if you're going to take him, just because there's so much two damage stuff that if you do not have the invuln, they just kind of drop. Just because people are still hunting marines. Anything that anything that's good at killing marines is good at killing Lichgard, which I don't like. Um, but here we are. Um, and I'll chuck them in the same boat as like the Triarch Praetorians. If you can encapsulate your thoughts on those two units, gentlemen, uh, what do you think? Jump in, whoever wants it. Yeah, I'll go first. It's easy. I I don't think either one of them have very much uh, play at the moment. Of the two of them, I'm much more interested in Triarch Praetorians because they have a 10-inch move and they're infantry, and that's compelling. Uh, they have an enormous negative, which is they are dynastic agents. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, they're mostly dead to me. Go ahead, Danny. <laughs> um i uh i've run both units uh like in combination with the silent king um and i prefer the i also prefer prefer praetorians um if i have to choose just the the speed is really good i think Lichgard with shields are better than Lichgard with scythes even though that makes me sad because mm-hmm. Lichgard with scythes re- look really cool <laughs> um but the yep. uh but the plus one armor save is such a big deal for the lich guard because like nothing in that book has a two plus armor save so mm. you get an even tougher unit like you make an even tougher unit tougher the reason i like the praetorians better for the reason uh, all the reasons that michael listed plus they are gross with the silent king because he gives them reroll to wound rolls and combat yes. and like yep. they just really tear stuff up oh plus mm. they get plus one to move around him as well which is really nice and they have access to the plus one to hit strat for one CP. Yep. yep. Yeah, they've, they've they actually have a lot of support. And on top of that, they have fly. They you know they've got freaking fly yep. on an infantry chassis, which shouldn't be overlooked. It's very nice. Um, just a minute or two on Catan. I'm of the opinion that I don't like any of the name Catan anymore. The only one I'd consider would be one or two Transcendents if I really had to, just because they're the cheapest. And I'm pretty much going to pick Cosmic Tyrant. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah, Cosby Tyrant pretty yeah, much right. every single time. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think? Everything you just said was uh, correct. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> the, only way I would, the only way I'd go more is if I was at a team event looking for a skew list. Yeah, skew. I would probably right. do... I, I could see Triple Catan um, being for that. I wouldn't do it now. But like Danny said, um, a couple months ago, I would have seriously considered it. Hmm. Yeah, totally fair. All right, gentlemen, jumping on. Uh, Scarabs used to. I, I was Aww. terrified of running into twenty-seven obsep Scarabs for a very long time of this edition so far. Um, they have dropped off a lot for me. I'm, I've figured out ways and means of getting around their efficiencies, putting different profile things in my lists, and the fact that they compete with uh, with infantry for the Chronomancers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, means you've pretty much always got a unit to dunk on so to speak what are your thoughts of scarabs are they dropped off are they still a mainstay what do you think and what size units uh they're one of our better units i'm not using them really extensively at the moment because of the of the um redesigned thin your ranks um yeah. i believe yeah giving giving uh what is that? Just off the top of the head math, that's a hundred and what? It's one hundred and five wounds, wounds uh, or well, for twenty-seven of them. Mm-hmm. It's hundred. I thought it was right. Yeah, that that, that tracks. I have it at one hundred eight. Uh, twenty-seven oh, times that's four. Right. No, you're right. It's one hundred eight. You're right. Yeah, one hundred eight wounds. Um, so that's that's a lot. 
that giving what that's 10 points in the new thin your ranks yep, yep so correct. how about how about no <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i think they're three it's three and it's a three now if you're taking them you take three and it's a three keep it cheap keep it simple they're what sits in the backfield and screens it out for you etc etc yeah um and i would pretty much leave it at that now which is kind of sad because i pretty much know everybody i know who plays who plays necrons has 27 scarabs and you know uh two thirds of it just hitting the table now uh, all right but jumping over to the vehicles so we're just going to talk about all the vehicles together well, all the the battle line vehicles the tanks together nation barges ddas um doom stalkers and we'll chuck in the flies as well night scythe doom scythe um it used to be in ages gone by that you would see three DDAs and three Doom Scythe in pretty much every Necron list, especially the vast majority that I played. And now I see exactly zero of those. I think Mr. Timpe is about to say, Adam, you're wrong. You're bad. This is what people should play. He definitely. But, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I am 100% going to use that sentence. <laughs> fair enough. Feel free. Hit me with it. Yeah. So you're not wrong about the Flyers. Uh, minus maybe a Night Scythe. I think yep. that there you could do something cute there with uh, with dropping in dropping in models in a clutch way, uh, though it doesn't do a whole lot else for you, and it is a little bit expensive. And if you compare it uh, like you should compare all fruit to any other flyer that's available to you, it does seem a little sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but however, DDAs uh, went down in the in the points cost; they're cheaper now. Uh, they're 25 more points than a ghost arc, I believe. And a hundred percent, I'm running three of them. Okay. That's cool. Because I, I want to go on a little bit of a rant about how I think that this Necron book has been built upon different metrics to all the other, apart from the space Marine books to all the other ninth edition codexes. And the doomsday arc is the one that tells me that the most. Um, I look at its offensive profiles. Firstly, I don't think they should be any offensive profiles. For the cost of the tank, I expect it to shoot at that high output one every single turn. On top of that, for that profile and the cost I'm paying, I expect it to be shooting D3 plus 3 damage in this day and age, not D6 or D3, which indicates to me that this was, this was written in 8th edition using 8th edition information because literally, like, you know, I expect... When Lehman Russ has come out, the the battle the battle cannon to be strength eight minus two two damage, e.g. what this should be. Same for Gorse cannons. Gorse cannons should be strength six minus three two damage, not D three. The D threes are dropping off, and the D six is dropping off wholesale, and yet they exist almost exclusively in this and the Marine book across the board. Um, whereas they then don't they don't exist almost anywhere outside maybe blasters for Drakari thereafter. Um, what do you think about that statement, gentlemen? And tell me why you still like the DDA, despite the things I just said. Uh, okay, so the DDA is a it does a lot of work. It is a highly durable because all of our vehicles have transhuman, except if they have quantum shields. Um, mm-hmm. Highly durable T six fourteen wound, um, you know 12, 12 inch block um, that sits in your back line or near your back line for a couple of turns can two of them can completely screen any deployments backline in the game. Three wow, is just okay. overkill, but two of them is actually perfect. Um, I believe for any deployment, I might be off on one of them by like two inches, but it's like one of those things where they couldn't squeeze a model in legally. Um, but two is the right number. I run three, so I'm just completely covered across the board. The long range gun is just the damage slot machine that we're all used to. So you, you yeah. pull and you hope yeah. something happens. Yeah. Um, and that's fine because I only pay, I, it would say 25 point upgrade from the ghost arc that I'm taking it for. So that's fine. I'll pay 25 points for that gun. 
and the uh, Gauss Flares, um, just consistent, nice shooting. After turns two or three, or if they don't have Deep Strike, you can start moving them and hustling them up the board. They still move 12 inches. They're still a Ghost mm-hmm. Arc in every other way. Uh, really, really big fan. Like uh, I think that when their points cost went down, I was already taking two. All I did is just buy another one. Fair. Danny, anything to add? Nope, I think that's pretty succinct for, for Doomsday Arcs. Um, I'm not really taking very many vehicles in my list. Maybe I'm taking a Ghost Arc or two, um, uh, but otherwise, not really. I swapped all my my Doomstalkers for uh, locust destroy- heavy heavy locust destroyers, mostly. Beautiful segue, Danny. Tell us about the destroyers, the, the two locust variants. Where are they at? Are they worth taking? They've got a bit of points decrease, and they're looking a, bit, a, little, a little bit more appearing. Yeah. Uh, so first, they all got a, they got a points drop here pretty recently, which is pretty nice. Um, I did see that uh, they're in the Boise GT here that just happened this last weekend. There was a pretty good score from Ben Cromwell that was running uh, uh, really destroyer heavy. Like I think he was like mm. two units of five uh, locust destroyers, yes. and then three units of pure three rare cult, basically. Yeah. 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 Which is really cool, and he did very well. I think he went four and one. Um, maybe, th- maybe That's three accurate. and two. Yeah, I think. It was yeah, four not and sure. One. Cannot confirm, yeah. but did, yeah, it sounds about right. Did, did really well. <laughs> did really well, and like, and surprisingly so. So, uh, like, it's uh, it seems like so. First of all, heavy destroyers are great. Um, mm. uh, they, I was taking them singly, and like, they're really great for screening out your back deployment zone. They're pretty fast. Um, you can, uh, you can just, you can use them for action since they're infantry. So if you want to put up a banner with one of them, that's totally fine. Um, there's some really good, uh, and they have like a great gun. It's really, really good with, uh, Cesarican, um, cause that just lets you reroll that to wound roll, especially with, uh, with what the Goss destroyer that's like strength mm. 10 minus five damage 3d3, um, yeah. which is <laughs> nasty. Uh, would have been better mm-hmm. if it was D six plus three, but you know, hey, we can't have we can't have everything. Right? <laughs> uh, <Fair. laughs> um, but yeah, no, I re- I really like those guys. I was running uh, two of them, two singles with the uh, Ghost Destructors, and then I was running a two man with the uh, Anemic Annihilators, um, which like if you put the reroll to wound strat on them, uh, and they get to shoot it like a fully like a full squad, like a beefed up squad of Skitari, for instance. Uh, yes. It's a lot of shots, you know. It's like twenty. It's mm-hmm. if you have three of them, it's it's twenty seven shots that reroll to wound and, re- and hit yep. on threes, rerolling ones to hit. Um, that's pretty nasty. I agree. Um, there were another unit. So I really wish the locust regular locust destroyers were flat two damage, you know, on their yeah. um, their gorse yeah. cannons. That would make a huge difference. But there are some people who have said, Adam, shut up. D three is actually good right now because it's actually better versus minus one damage than it, two yeah. damage because you actually have the ability to spike up. Um, I was just so, going to say that, Adam. Like you, you took the words right out of my mouth. Sometimes <laughs> D3 is slightly better in like weird yeah. scenarios like Death Guard. Mm, exactly right yeah. and so if we do see some of that come back like i i expect nids to have a you know a sprinkling of minus one damage uh, here or there maybe or, some... or what about dreadnoughts that do the same thing right right exactly yeah there's always going to be some stuff some reasons why that's not the worst thing in the world which is uh, i do look at the locust heavy destroyers and think they're actually a thing especially that 3d3 um strength seven minus one one damage you want to pop raiders man geez two of these things odds on with the reals to win they're going to kill a raider that's pretty impressive yeah. from two dudes uh Michael, what do you think of those two units? Um, 
So I run both of them. The regular destroyers are still too expensive for what they do. Even though they have the perfect gun for killing Skatari, uh, strength six yep. minus three D three damage is like the, the exact you know reroll to uh, hit, reroll to wounds. It's exactly the profile you want. But for three hundred and fifty points, a little hard to justify. Yes. Uh, those heavy destroyers are great. You are a hundred percent correct, uh, especially as a Zarkin, You get to play really fun little games where two of them can hit something like a raider. Um, and you have your re-roll uh, if you need it, right? And then you can just, if you know, if that goes well, and then you can auto either use a CP re-roll or auto pass mm. the second shot to just punch through both of them, and you yeah. will ice it on average on average numbers. And yeah, exactly right. let's talk about minus four for a gun. Um, that's a really great number. <laughs> it's, that's such a big <laughs> number. Uh, there's a lot of things that are two up these days. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out they don't like minus four. They that that's not a that's not an AP value they're used to. I'm mm. shocked. Agreed. Moving on though, I'm going to go out on a limb and entirely skip the Lords of War section, mostly because I'm sad about it. And I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> well, it does shorten the podcast, but I will say two things. Um, I think that the um, I think for a skew list in a team tournament. There is some merit to considering um, the like a couple monoliths and an obelisk, uh, just yep. as a Lord of War. This is difficult to deal with, um, and also weirdly, the obelisk should be looked at again because it it's really interesting. I I would have again in a team event, I would have very little uh, problem if you threw me into like orcs with 180 boys. And triple obelisk, I think I'm okay with that. Like I, I, I think I just murder boys the entire game, and they don't really do anything to me. <laughs> like, okay. Yes, yeah, I I won't. I'll need to kill all of them to hold a point eventually. Mm. But like, it's not a. You're not putting me there to win the game. You're putting me there for differential scoring so that they don't score. Right. Yeah. So I'm true. there. I'm there to give up. I'm there to give up five points. Right. So okay, okay. You've you've brought me around. Let's let's talk about it. Um, so the monolith, if it wasn't a Lord of War, if it was a heavy support slot, would actually be good. Would actually yeah. be okay. It wouldn't be incredible, but it would be decent. Um, the, the all the all the range weapons it has, all the damage it has a D three plus three damage weapon. It's the only freaking one in the book. You well, know that itself would make it okay. And the doom um, apart from the uh, and the entropic lance. I just realized there's a couple. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I lied. Fair. Danny, take it away. Oh, uh, man, I love the monolith. Uh, I bought three of the new ones. Um, I'm going to try it out someday. Uh, masochist. Uh, yeah. Absolute masochist. <laughs> uh, man, but for the pure nostalgia, right? But like, they uh, they have so much firepower, and they're actually like okay in combat, too. Like, I just, man, if they just weren't a Lord of War, I'm glad mm-hmm. that the Ox choice got a lot cheaper now. Um, to take so that it's okay for you to take one of these in like a, like an like a uh, what is that the Lord of War ox detachment is only one command point. Yep. Um, yeah, it so did go down in cost. You might see stuff like an obelisk or a monolith like toting along, and I really hope that that ends up being the case. It still probably needs to go down a few more points or something. Um, it just needs like a little tweak, and then I think it's right there. 
Fair. Um, let's talk about SK. Let's talk about the Silent King for a bit. He was all the rage. He was on pretty much everyone's table. I still see him a lot. Some just diehards are just so in love with him, and I can't deny people the fact that they get to play the damn Silent King, and I can't tell them he's bad. I will say, if you're not building for him, don't take him. Like He yeah. polarizes the entirety of the list. You need to be getting mileage out of every single one of his like 30 special rules. But gentlemen, what are your thoughts? Michael? I, I've never really been a fan of the Silent King the entire time. I have had an opportunity to use it at I maybe I use it poorly. Maybe the terrain is not where it is. I don't. I don't know. I just. I don't know what problem he's there to solve for his cost. Mm. Fair, Danny. Um. Let's see. So I've used him quite a bit. Uh, although full disclosure, I have not played him versus Admech or Drukari at this point in time. Wise. I, pl- I played against him as Drukari, um, and he was a giant pain in the dick. Let me tell you that. So like, <laughs> uh, he just the four plus invulnerable save me- means that he's actually pretty resilient to all the dark lances, and he'll kill a raider if you fail both your invul saves like every single time. Um, mm. So he's pretty good for like code of combat into Drukari, I think, and his buffs are phenomenal for the infantry. But basically, your army is going to be the Silent King, and then as many infantry models as you can possibly take. Like, don't waste points on units that like that aren't going to get his buffs right so you want you want praetorians you want immortals you want warriors you want death marks like all of those are really great choices Mm. for him and really and then he can really boost their ability to deal damage um fair yeah but again like you said you have to build you have to build for him Mm, agreed all right man gentlemen that brings us to the end of the content in the book because we are not talking about the terrain piece (laughs) refuse (laughs) uh but gentlemen so give us some thoughts about where you think necrons are as they stand right here right now what's their prognosis for the future is there some adaption do they have enough depth in the book that they can stay relevant um what do you think give us the the prognosis uh michael they they are mid table right now if you took a calculator and knocked 15% off everything that didn't get a reduced points cost, or or maybe just everything in general, 15% off everything in the book, they would be uh, very competitive again, in my opinion. So you think the the rules are fine, the units are fine, it's just the points that are holding them back? I mean, I dislike the way the protocols work, and I would like to see that redone. But I mean, I also think uh, adjusting points is the most boring way to uh, help an army Mm. be successful. But I actually think in this particular case, it is that would be uh, impactful for them. Fair. Danny, your thoughts? I think they're solid. Like Michael said, I think they're solidly mid, mid-tier right now. Um, I, uh, I think with some small changes to, into the meta, uh, I think that they become very good. Uh, I think they're probably, they don't match up well against Admech, but I think that they actually have a game into Drukari. Um, mm. Just because just because of the way that reanimation protocols works, it makes the math really weird. And that's kind of where Necrons really excel. Um, and sisters uh, as well. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And I think they're fine against uh, sisters. I don't have a, I don't think I can't see a problem against that army either. Like I think that they probably play just fine into sisters. Sisters is tough, yeah. but definitely not insurmountable. I think you can definitely play into them. So and I think we are going to be. I, I think it's interesting. I'm doing. We're doing this review now, and that's six months after their Codex release. I think they're at the low point. I think that yeah, hopefully, I fingers crossed, this is the low point of this Codex because of the last two, last three Codexes, a lot of people have teched into things 
that wreck Necrons as a as a byproduct. Um, you think about uh, people taking to kill um, twenty Lucius infantry, exactly the same metrics that'll kill twenty Necron warriors. Like pretty right. much to the to the letter. Take away the t- take away one toughness, but add an extra save. It almost works out around about even. The same things are going to be deadly to Necrons that are that are to to you know admech and the same can be said for things like um drakari etc i do love that you point that drakari don't have an incredible game into them and i do uh, it's because they don't necessarily bring things that just nuke down a whole unit of warriors right or nuke down in one go 10 uh toughness five infantry in cover etc um and i think that's a really good point people want to focus on things um the, the issue is though they don't have an amazing swathe of of secondaries to take they're not intuitively good at just getting all the auto point secondaries you have to build really heavily into them like they're not they're not you don't look at it and be like hey this is an army that needs to be msu so i can scramble and so i can engage and so i can etc etc they don't have a and like at the same breath they don't have an oath of moment power secondary you know heard the prey like i said is really good um but yeah i do think this is the low point i think we're right now we're sitting at the the low point and hopefully it goes up from here but i will reiterate michael's statement in that i think changing points is the weakest or most boring way to do it but it's so relevant for necrons i have no reason why affidian destroyers and regular wraiths are the same points like i look at that and i've just been like huh what (laughs) <laughs> what? Huh? And the, you know, and they're the same points as like so many other things as well that are that are either that are just better. Like I look at Blade Guard, I'm like, well, this is just better. Right. Um, but yeah, give us some closing thoughts, chance, Michael. Uh, again, uh, mid table, mid table force. I think there's a few archetypes that have some merit. That uh, a couple of which get even more interesting in a team event type situation. My current iteration is based off Dave Robeson's list which he came up with, which is Oops All Vehicles, which I called Arcing Lot. Um, yep. And it has been just the thing to help me pick up some wins against some pretty nasty customers. So nice. I'm going to hope that that continues to be the case uh, in the two uh, big events coming forward. Beautiful. Danny? Um, I think it's important to note what Michael said. Like, I think that Necrons are like probably 10% too expensive. Um, and mm. if they got that small points change, I think that, I guess that's not a small points change. If they got a points change to that effect to let, uh, to allow them to actually take some units that have some punch and then also some supporting units to actually accomplish mission objectives. I think that that army looks a lot more spicy. Um, I'm, mm, I, I, agree. I, I mean, Necrons are probably one of my, my very favorite, like it's definitely one of my top two favorite armies, uh, in the entire game. And so it's kind of, it's a big bummer for me to see them like not performing super well uh so I, I i hope that this is the low point and i hope that either we can get like the meta will shift and we'll we'll look a lot a, lo- a lot better into it or um we'll get some some chapter proof point changes but that won't be for a while obviously yeah exactly right all right gentlemen that was the wrap up for this part one in part two i'm actually going to pick michael's brain on his list and get that broken down for you guys in the, the patreon group if you are interested this will there will be a second part of this podcast posted up in our patreon also on the art of 40k.com where you can find second part of this podcast as well as the second part of the amazing art of war unbroken and the regular art of war uh with the lovely nick nanavati uh all those over art of war um 
Com, the Art of War, apologies, 40k.com. Um, and yeah, jump on, jump in the war room, get involved, guys. Amazing, incredible products available to you to keep current with the meta, this ever-changing, ever-evolving ninth edition. Also, please go over, give a listen to Grim After Dark and Mob Rules and support Outward Realms and Hammerhead Games in all their future endeavors. Danny, thank you so much. Have a good night, mate. Thanks, man. Mr. Michael Timpe, thank you so much for your contraire and always elegant responses. I appreciate it, brother. Um, anything you'd like to plug, Michael? Uh, you let me go off on a ramble in the beginning just to catch up for anyone who's still awake. Uh, OutwardRealms.com and Hammerhead Games. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, have a good night, gentlemen. We'll see you on the part two. Take care. Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under. A content review podcast for Warhammer 40K. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under. Signing out from tomorrow.